So I've been thinking. Mm-hmm. Podcasts are a strictly auditory medium for the most part, right? For the most part, yes. One of these days, I need to wear pajama pants under my regular pants. <laughs> sure, if you want to burn to death. <laughs> no, the idea is, especially in winter, I'll be able to just roll up to work as normal, and then as soon as it's done, do podcast in pajama pants. It's perfect. <laughs> just like, alright, Chiso just rips off pants. It's like, oh, what's that noise? It's like, that was me getting ready for a recording. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg. Exactly. And it's the most magical time of the year. That time when our mouse overlords tell us what product to get excited about. <laughs> when our mouse overlords look at us and go, now get me some goddamn money. <laughs> but before we get into that, we have some gaming news and other miscellaneous assorted things. Yeah, and it is a very small amount of gaming news, because alongside D23, Ubisoft was having their own um, game conference thing, and many things were announced, including Assassin's Creed Mirage. And it looks neat, however, apparently, and I want to emphasize the apparently, the ESRB has reportedly given Assassin's Creed Mirage an adults-only rating, citing real gambling likely in regards to whatever like microtransaction loot box system is in place in the game now this is kind of a weird thing for me because i am all for anything that limits loot boxes especially because of how a lot of game companies make them very like gross and predatory the problem i have with this is that if it's being cited as real gambling under the assumption that this is true and the esrb has seen more of the game than the general public have then that tells me that there's something in the game where people can, like, gamble actual money and just straight up lose their money. Because that's the only way that makes sense to me. That's all loot box is, my dude. Yes, but even still, when you buy a loot box, you still get something. The problem with loot boxes is that you're getting random crap. But ultimately, you still get something at the very end. At least for the loot boxes that I've experienced. Well, the thing is, this doesn't necessarily mean that Assassin's Creed Mirage has a particularly egregious example of loot boxing. It could just be they're clamping down harder on loot boxing in regular AAA console games. Which I am completely okay with. Yeah, uh, 100%. In general, I'm not a big fan of the idea of saying something is adults only. Yeah. Crosses some arguable art boundaries that I'm not generally comfortable with, but if the sole purpose is because of loot boxes, that's acceptable. Yeah, I can give that a pass, too. It's one of those things where, if this is true, it's just kind of a... Because okay, apparently a lot of the artwork for the game still has an RP rating on the box for it, on mm. the artwork that's been shown. So, the reason why I emphasize the apparently and allegedly part of this is because Everyone's talking about it or said something about it, except Ubisoft or the ESRB themselves. But it's one of those things where considering how much circulation there is about this, I figured it's like, okay, if this is happening, this is kind of nutso. Because me and a co-worker did a cursory look through all, like, the list of games that at one point either shipped with or got an adults-only rating... And we concluded that if it was shipped with that, it would be absolutely hilarious considering what it would be sharing company with. <laughs> I'll level with you. I didn't know adults only existed as a game rating. 
It is. It's kind of on a similar level of NC-17 with movies in reg- into the regard that if a game is made with adults only and shipped with adults only, basically there is no chance in hell it will be sold in a retailer. Fair. GameStop won't sell it. Walmart won't sell it. It's not going to be listed there, but you can still buy it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Manhunt, which is a very sought-after game by Rockstar, was adults only for a large portion of developments of its development cycle but it was it had to be toned down quite a bit to get a mature rating Mm, that's something (laughs) yeah oh also gta san andreas was as well because there was basically a sex mini game in grand theft auto san andreas and they had to remove that as well to bring it down to mature although very hilariously all they did was like take away the ability to do it the source code for that game mode was still in the game, and a few years later, a bunch of PC modders figured out how to access it, which I personally <laughs> found hilarious. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, those are the two examples that I know of. A lot of the games that have been given an adult-only rating are, like, no surprises, like, a lot of just, like, really bad sex games. That tracks. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's interesting for kind of the aforementioned reason in regards to Mirage is that because everyone else is kind of doing a lot to say, like most other governments are saying things like, no, like these loot box things are not okay. It's this is one of those things where if this is the ESRB's goal, I am 100% behind it. I just don't know if this particular way is the way I would go about doing it. But I am all, all behind like just doing things to decentivize companies putting like loot boxes and basically what is effectively gambling in video games. Yeah, I'll agree to that. We also got a new Pokemon trailer this week. Oh, we got a trailer too? I thought that was just like the news article. It was a short trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah, we now have confirmation of exactly what the three story paths for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is going to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And those three are Victory Road, which is the usual challenging the gyms to not become the champion, but to reach champion rank, which is a new thing. They also confirm that there are going to be gym tests that you have to pass in order to challenge any given leader. So there's PE classes in Pokemon now? (laughs) Very good. That... I remember in high school when we didn't have, like, actual P.E. things, sometimes we were literally given tests about, like, sex ed and shit. I'm like, all right, these guys have nothing to actually, like, give us right now. (laughs) Hey there. (laughs) Not the best wording on my part. (laughs) No, it was not, which is why I made that joke. The second path is called the Path of Legends, in which you challenge giant Pokemon known as Titan Pokemon looking for rare ingredients called the Herba Mystica. Oh boy, so I I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> Me neither. I don't <laughs> know what this is supposed to be. Because isn't that, as someone who doesn't play Pokemon, I have tried playing Pokemon, could never get into it, and my wallet thanks me. Isn't that the point of Pokemon? To look for, like, the legendary Pokemon? Well, these aren't legendaries. These are just big other Pokemon. These are big Chungus Pokemon. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, sure. Coming to multiverses, maybe? (laughs) No, don't get them ideas. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess what's happening is one of your classmates is researching healthy recipes for Pokemon, and he's looking for the Herba Mystica, but because he can't battle very well, he asks you to help him out. Okay. And we'll make you stuff. Okay. That's interesting, I guess. And then, the third path, called Starfall Street, involves battling with Team Star, which was formed by the school's most rebellious students and is made up of several squads. These class-cutting delinquents cause trouble for all those around them, giving the Academy's students and teachers a hard time by disturbing the peace and using pushy recruitment tactics. So what you do is, you roll up into their base, knock out a bunch of their Pokemon, and then you get to fight the boss, and they have several squads all across the region. So, Boys in the Hood Pokemon Edition. Something like that. <laughs> Maybe this is just me being, like, out of touch with Pokemon, because, again, I don't really get into it, but this... it This seems like one of the... This, all of these sound like things where I see what they're trying to do, but I think they put... It's like, you're trying a little too hard to make it sound interesting, and it kind of circles a little bit back to stupid. At least for me. It's one of those things where none of these things are new. No. The idea of each of them carrying their own story is new, which maybe means that these things can all be a little bit better fleshed out on their own if they're meant to carry their own objectives. I doubt it, because it's Pokemon, mm -hmm. but I think that's what they're going for. Hmm. What I'm upset about is no contests or anything. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, because it's like, is there a contest thing? Like, the whole, like, Pokemon, like, show thing? Because it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't, which is like, that seems like the most obvious thing to bring back if you want multiple paths. Well, this is... Scarlet and Violet, these are, like, the next games, right? These are not remakes of old games, correct? Right. Okay, yeah, that's weird that that's missing. Hmm. Truly it is. Hmm. They also introduced a new feature called Let's Go. Ha. <laughs> Gotta rake in on that mobile nostalgia, dot dot dot. <laughs> and what that's gonna do is... That's gonna let you send out your Pokemon on their own to go look for items and battle wild Pokemon and what have you. Mm. Apparently, though, you can also use this feature when infiltrating Team Star bases. Oh, okay. That part I'm not crazy about. So I read on this feature, I did see, also, like, apropos of nothing, I did see a comment that someone made on a different website talking about this, and someone made the comment of, like, you send your Pokemon out to fight for you, and it turns out it battles the only shiny you're ever going to see in your playthrough. <laughs> this is honestly a feature that, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised wasn't in a previous game, given how much Pokemon Center is on exploration. I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Except for the whole, like, Team Star thing, because it's like, well, isn't that the thing where the whole point of that particular game mode is battling Team Stars to defeat them? Well, yeah, but apparently... How it works when you go into their bases is because you have to defeat a certain number of their Pokemon in a set time limit. Presumably the idea is you want to raise your team up enough that you can trust multiple members of your team to engage in these battles so you can reach that limit. Oh, okay, so it's it's a thing like you're not exactly battling the this Team Star members, you're battling their Pokemon, and it just like helps it, you go through it faster. Yeah. Okay, eh, makes sense. Yeah, like I said, again, Pokemon noob, know nothing about this. I think this is kind of interesting. I was originally afraid when I saw this whole thing was that it was a 
a deal where the computer literally just fought for you in battles and you did absolutely nothing. But it does at least sound like, since you're not exactly paying attention to your Pokemon and letting them do their own thing, you do kind of run the risk of missing out on some neat stuff if you're not directly involved in the battle. Which is an okay enough trade-off. I guess this is one of those things where I'm very curious to see how it actually works in gameplay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought you had a completely different take on it, honestly. Because you're, you're definitely more of the Pokemon person than I am. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just... <sighs> Scarlet and Violet is very much going to be a I-need-to-see-it-in-action kind of thing. Mm. The trailers weren't very long at all, so I don't want to go judging a bunch of features based off of it. I'm not crazy about auto-battling myself, because it, I, I'll agree that it it feels like it takes something out of the whole point of playing in the first place. Yeah. But, I don't know, for the purpose that it's intended for, we'll, we'll see how far the range is. Because if it's limited range, that's also fine. Right. But, given that this is an open world game, if you can drop off your Pokemon on one side of the map, go off to the other side, come back, and it's still running around doing stuff, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, that's uh that would be that would be a bit much for sure. It's almost like running a script at that point. Yeah. And I don't need no Minecraft script Pokemon. <laughs> that covers the Pokemon bit, so Yeah, and then the last thing, this is kind of more of a me thing and it's just there, there's no real significance to this. I just kind of feel like making fun of it. Um with the Gran Turismo movie coming out, why is there a Gran Turismo movie being made? But that's we've already talked about that. Sony has released the a new logo for what is apparently going to be the logo for the Gran Turismo movie and the logo that they're using for the social media accounts for the Gran Turismo movie. And holy hell, is it not one of the most generic things I've ever seen in my life? Which <laughs> which is actually astounding considering what movie based on one of the most loved and cherished and long-standing racing franchises ever made with a very distinct logo and they go for a logo that is like when i first saw the font for the Gran Turismo movie logo it reminded me of a game called ford racing which was a pretty awful budget racing game for the playstation one and it reminded me of it because the font they're using for this logo is literally the exact same font in the game's menus. Huh. Yeah. This is... I don't know. It's, this just bugs me from a visual standpoint. It's like, why not just use the GT logo? It's very distinct. This... It kind of feels like they. this was a kind of for the sake of type of decision. I guess to maybe allude as like, see, it's... It's the same name, it's the same idea, but it's not completely connected. And it's like, no, just own it. I'm probably looking a little bit too deeply into it, in all honesty, but this is just kind of a weird one to me. Yeah, I don't have much to say about Gran Turismo, obviously, because I don't really play much in the way of racing games. But I have seen that font, and it looks very, uh, it's an unexciting logo. It is a very unexciting logo. It's... Like I said, it's just, it's just shockingly generic in all honesty. Yeah, that's, that's, it's just weird. And that's all I can say without getting into another rant about why are they making a Gran Turismo movie? This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're good to move away from gaming news into our little bits of non-D23 news. Yes. 
May I start by saying even half of the non-D23 news is still Disney-related? <laughs> I'm not shocked, because, like, pretty much anything that was being talked about movie, or, like, this weekend in regards to, like, movies and whatnot is just Disney. Like, Disney kind of just stole everybody's show this weekend. Yeah, especially because the Criterion Collection is getting its first Disney film. Really? And it's Wally. I don't know what Disney movie I would have expected to go on the Criterion Collection, but Wally isn't it. <laughs> I can see it for the first half of the movie. Yeah. But, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Wally is a bad movie or that Wally isn't a work of art. Oh no, Wally's great. Honestly, if it were me, and even if I was just keeping it to Pixar, mm-hmm. Toy Story 1 or Ratatouille. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, Toy Story 1 or Ratatouille would definitely be my picks as well, since they were a bit more. I guess. I don't want to say, like, based in reality. Or more grounded overall. It's not even about grounded. It's just. Ratatouille doesn't have as much of the tonal shift. No, it doesn't. Although, I guess. No, because Wally was a radically different movie in its first bit. Mm hmm. Yeah, the first bit was very was definitely, like, a very interesting thing, and then the second half was like, oh, oh, this is what's actually going on. This is, like, a complete, well, not a complete, but we'll say a 167 compared to what happened before. <laughs> Anyways, it's coming with a ton of extras, oh. and who knows, this might open the door for stuff like getting Armageddon reissued, because that was released, that's on the Criterion Collection, if you can believe it, and... <laughs> That was released under the Touchstone Pictures banner, I think. So it's not technically... It's it's owned by Disney, but it's not like a Disney, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that could open the door for that. And a crushing realization hit me that in somewhere between 5, 10, 15 years, they could very well release an Infinity Saga collection. <laughs> My wallet can't take that. <laughs> I'm already buying Wally. What more do you want from me? Why are you buying Wally? <laughs> because I don't own Wally yet, and if I'm gonna own it, I might as well own the Criterion Edition. Honestly, I'm surprised you don't own Wally just a little bit. <laughs> do you know how many Disney movies there are? I have to pick and choose. That is a completely fair point. <laughs> I'm busy working on my comic book movie collection. <laughs> you know how pissed I am I have to buy Love and Thunder? Oh, I can... Yeah. (laughs) I have to purchase a physical copy of that movie so it can sit on my shelf. To never be touched again. (laughs) Maybe someday if I want to watch a director's commentary and find out what the fuck happened. Uh, you could use it to, like, um, punish your niece if she, um, if she acts up. (laughs) What kind of a fucking monster do you think I am? Jesus. Yay, just throwing that out there, man. Anyway. (laughs) Popping away from Disney for one moment. Dan Lin will not be heading up DC Films. Sad. Am I supposed to be sad? Okay, good. (laughs) According to sources, the main sticking point was Lin's commitments to his own production company, Rideback. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently figuring out how to 
balance those two things, and what, if any, role Warner Brothers should take in helping that was impassable. Yeah, I mean, if the dude's running his own production company, I can see that being a hassle, because it's like, run my own production company, make sure that my people get paid, balanced with saving an entire film franchise. Uh. <laughs> Where I have no actual power. To save the entire film Because I'm going to get overridden at every turn by this cost-cutting asshole. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why he kind of bowed out of that. The the craziest thing is, DC is looking for their Kevin Feige, but the thing is, mm-hmm. to have a Kevin Feige, you would have to start from scratch, and you would need to give him creative control. Which Warner Brothers, I don't see being even remotely okay with doing. Yeah, no, that's not happening, because mm-hmm. they're idiots. <laughs> if they weren't idiots, they wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. Yes, that is That unfortunately is true. Anyways, hashtag release Batgirl. <laughs> but... Same, I, I also follow that hashtag if release Batgirl. I stand by I it. I want to see that one. I do too, from everything it sounds. It sounds like it would have been a, at least fun. Sadness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's distract ourselves by turning our attention to our new mouse corporate overlords. (laughs) Uh Now get out there and give me some goddamn money! Could we get in trouble for that? (laughs) Uh, Probably not. (laughs) That requires anybody to listen to this. Eventually, someday, we might get big enough that we have to worry about what we say about Disney. (laughs) Ends up being that we get so big enough we're bought out from Disney, and now it's a Simpsons movie situation. (laughs) (laughs) God, that was good. That was very good. That was one of those things where it's like, either someone missed this or someone didn't care. Either way, this is great. (laughs) Oh, man. So, there are two main panels that... I was focusing on while this was going on. Mm-hmm. One was the Walt Disney Studios and Pixar panel. And the other was the Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, and 20th Century Studios panel because they decided to just throw all those things together like a maniac. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a ham sandwich right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sand and cheese hamwich. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. So, let's start with the Pixar stuff. Mm-hmm. Summer 2023, we're getting a movie called Elemental. Okay. Which is about a metropolis where elements of earth, air, fire, and water all live. But when a fire girl and a water boy develop a connection, the two must navigate how to interact while being polar opposites. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's definitely different. I'll give them that. It sounds neat, but it's it's different. <laughs> it's Pixar realizing they left Avatar The Last Airbender off of its What If Blank But Alive. Mm. <laughs> We're also getting the first ever long-form series from Pixar on Disney+, Plus called mm. Win or Lose. And it's about a softball team the week ahead of their championship game, with each episode taking place during the same week, but from the perspective of a different character. Oh, that's cool. That sounds really cool. Kind of, in a certain degree, it kind of reminds me of Assassination Classroom. In, in, specifically in the sense of how 
the show would try and follow each person's perspective during this series of events. So that's definitely a neat thing. Yeah, I like getting different perspectives from the same events. It yeah. usually is a pretty decent time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds cool. Then we're also getting Elio in 2024, which centers on an 11-year-old named Elio, whose mom is working on a top-secret military project to decode alien messages. Okay. Turns out, Elio makes first contact and ends up becoming the emissary for Earth. <laughs> for whatever reason, this sounds something like classic Pixar. <laughs> right, that one just sounds like, ah, yes, this is... Mm -hmm. This is the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great time. And then the big one, summer 2024, we're getting Inside Out 2. Wait, really? Yes. I didn't think, I don't feel like that movie needs a sequel. <laughs> Probably not, but Riley's a teenager in this one, and there's going to be new emotions. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is 2020, what is it again? 2024. 2024? Okay. Alright, so only a couple of years, but still. <laughs> I wonder what they're going to add, because I know originally in Inside Out they were going to have surprise because they based it on the Paul Ekman Six Emotion model, mm. but they couldn't figure out a way to make surprise meaningfully distinct from fear. Mm. So. Maybe like anxiety or something like that? Maybe. Mm. Although I feel like that's just fear. It's a form it's definitely a form of fear, that's for sure. Like what else could you get? Yeah. Well I can if she's a teenager, I could see it being a thing of like there is like just a hundred different emotions that like become a thing and then go away and become a thing and then go away <laughs> just constantly throughout the movie. So what, emotions just disappear and then pop back in? Or something like that, or a new one's, like, made. Because I feel like, from what I remember being a teenager, considering how crazy the mind of what felt like the average teenager can be, I definitely feel like that would at least be on the table. <laughs> I eagerly await the arrival of tepid ambivalence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would play tepid ambivalence, though? John Krasinski? Hmm. No, I can go... I can go more deadpan. <laughs> Who voices Konako in High School DxD? Give me one second. I actually feel like I should know that name. Um, or the name of the voice actress. She is voiced... Uh, Jade, Jade Sa Saxton. Jade Saxton. Yeah! Okay. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Everything is awful. But I just don't care. Mm, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I am curious and very cautious about that movie. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how that goes. Because Inside Out is great. And I mean, yeah. for the most part, Pixar doesn't really make bad sequels. Oh, no. Of course not. It's just. Except just... Cars 2. I mean, that one. that Cars 2 was the NASCAR movie. That one was a good time. Cars 2 was a bad sequel to a mediocre movie. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there was... You, 
We're talking about, oh, I see. (laughs) You're right, Cars 2 was great. (laughs) I can't believe that came out. When did that one come out? Just a few years ago? Yeah, it it wasn't that long ago. I know it was like a little bit before that. Yeah, 2017. That's when Cars 2 came out. Yeah, it's only like five years old. (laughs) Don't know why they're calling it Cars 3 on here, but (laughs) everyone knows there was never a second one until then. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) In Disney Animation news, Mm -hmm. we are getting an anthology of six shorts based around Zootopia called Zootopia Plus, coming in November. Is it bad that I kind of hate the name a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I could see that. Yeah, no. One's based on the sloth. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. I want to know how he got involved in the world of street racing. <laughs> Same. I really do. <laughs> just, that's what, that's one of my favorite end credit scenes for anything ever. Just a <laughs> shitty grin on his face. <laughs> he realizes he's been caught. Oh, no. Apparently, other shorts are going to revolve around Clawhauser and Chief Bogo. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Mr. Big's daughter. Oh, okay. And Judy's parents. Honestly, I feel like they could just do a whole series on, like, Mr. Big, his daughter, and the shenanigans their family gets to into, and it would be a good time. I, for one, welcome our new shrew overlords. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, also Duke Weaselton. Oh, also. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Also, we're getting Walt Disney Animation Studios' first partnership with an outside studio. Oh, really? What's the outside studio? Uh, Kugali Media, and they're creating an Afrofuturist series called Iwaju that is described as a love letter to Lagos, Nigeria. Okay. Okay, that's neat. Yeah. That's supposed to come out summer 2023, or some point 2023. It did not say summer specifically. Alrighty. Well, I'm curious about that. It's going to follow two kids who grow up on opposite sides of a city, sharply divided by the haves and have-nots. Their friendship is tested by a tech pioneer whose futuristic advances hide a criminal underworld. He runs with an iron fist. Must not make Elon Musk's joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, Nigeria, South Africa, eh. That hit harder than I expected. <laughs> huh. <laughs> what was the Apparently they showed a new Strange World trailer, but they didn't okay. show it. Oh, like it's not available on like YouTube or anything like that? Nah. Mm. Nah. <laughs> and then, we also got news on the 2023 feature film from Walt Disney Animation, and that is called Wish. Okay. Have you ever wondered how the wishing star that so many Disney characters wished upon came to be? No? Well, you're getting it anyway. So, there are already places my brain is going with that premise, and I imagine none of them are going to end up in this movie. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's that's what we like to call an ass pull and a half. (laughs) I'm not sure how I feel about this, uh... Prequel to a bunch of other Disney movies, apparently. Yeah, no. The the origin story of every Disney character movie ever, more or less? I guess? 
Yeah. A little weird. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. Hey, speaking of prequels nobody asked for. Mm hmm. Photorealistic CGI Lion King prequel. Why? <laughs> it's called Mufasa the Lion King. Why? I don't know. Jesus. Okay. I just I just <laughs> don't know, Greg. <laughs> That's a um I there it's been so long since I even like acknowledged that movie's existence, so I thought that was one where Disney was like, you know what? We don't um we don't need to revisit this, but somebody high up on the House of Mouse, like I they're just like, No, no, this is great. There's potential here. We just gotta make Sip Mufasa like sympathetic or something. I, I don't know what they're gonna well, do. Well, Foss is sympathetic. It's Simba's dad. Oh, fair enough. Oh, whoops. Did you think it was Scar? Yes, I got Scar and Mufasa mixed up just now. But that's neither Nice job. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay, I, then I go back to my previous point of, but why though? <laughs> because Lion King made a more billion dollars. Did it now? Yeah, photorealistic CGI Lion King made a billion dollars. I did not know that. I thought it was one of the worst performing ones. Pretty sure it made a billion. Hold on. Jesus. Yeah, 1.663 billion. I'm amazed that movie made so much money for how little I see it get discussed. It's literally just lions! Yeah. It's, I've, it's amazing in, my, in that sense because, I, like I just said, I have never seen, I've never seen a case of a movie that makes so much money but gets so little general discussion. Ugh. <laughs> It'll be okay. I mean, the movie well, won't be, but... It's coming to theaters 2024, so... Oh, they got a couple years to iron out the bugs or something. Yeah. <laughs> coming more quickly is Hocus Pocus 2, which we got a new trailer for. I... I am actually kind of looking forward to this movie, because I remember being very fond of the original Hocus Pocus growing up. I'm looking forward to it, while also hoping it is not toned down. It'll probably be toned down. That is disappointing. Yeah, that was kind of something that I... The thing that kind of got me like to think that was during the last bit of the new Hocus Pocus movie, where he goes, Wait, no, I'm one of the good zombies. <laughs> as, yeah. As funny as that was... That was still kind of thing of like, yep, yep, there it is. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, if there's nothing in the movie that makes me laugh as much as, they thought I was a real cop, <laughs> <laughs> I will be sorely disappointed. I remember re-watching the movie as a teenager and coming up to that scene, I'm like, there's, it's like several <laughs> parts of my brain went, that is very not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey kid, are you really a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, that was really fucking funny. That was very funny. <laughs> so I'm willing to give Hocus Pocus two a lot of slack because it's bringing oh, yeah. back the Sanderson sisters, and because I love the original so much. We'll see how that goes. Honestly, the fact that the original actresses are coming back are the thing that surprised me the most. I fully expected them to do a recast. I'm very happy they didn't. But I, I, I feel like originally they were talking about it. I could be imagining things, but I feel like originally that was the idea, and then word of that got loose and everybody got mad. Why? Oh, wait, mad of the recast. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, then yeah. No, as as they should be. 
But I could be misremembering things. Hmm. We also got a trailer for Disenchanted coming out November 24th. I don't think I ever watched the original Enchanted. You know, I thought I had, and now I don't think I did. Yeah, especially because a lot of like what was going on in the movie. Because when it when it's, it was called Disenchanted, it's like, why do I feel like I've heard of this before? And then I searched it, I was like, oh, 2007. Yeah, I don't think I ever watched the original movie, so... I don't know, I watched this, it's like, this looks... Neat, I guess. I feel like I've been using the word neat too much in this episode already. Uh, um, I haven't noticed, but then again, I'm not paying attention, and I don't have my teeth in, so my own pronunciation <laughs> is off. <laughs> Definitely not anything that grabbed me, that's for sure. I think it looks decently funny. I like the talking squirrel or chipmunk or whatever he is. Yeah, that that part did get a slight chuckle out of me, Where although it did kind of do the whole thing of making my brain look too deeply into something, because it's like, wait, how am I talking? It's like, don't you make noises? You can talk, you just can't speak English. Animals don't have language, generally. Yeah, fair enough. At least I don't think they do. True. That That's fair. It's one of those movies where it does look like a good time, it just didn't do anything for me in particular. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'll watch it just because Amy Adams is in it. True. <laughs> it takes some really bad marketing to get me to not watch something with Amy Adams. <laughs> You want more live-action remakes of stuff? Oh, which one is it now? Peter Pan and Wendy! Wait, really? Yes. Oh, I completely missed that. <laughs> it's coming to Disney Plus in 2023, and as much as I want to ignore it, Jude Law is Captain Hook. Hell yeah! <laughs> so now I have to watch it. Thanks a lot, Disney! It's just like, oh, another Disney live-action product. I can... I can ignore this. Jude Law is thug. It's like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I mean, there are limits to my willingness to watch Jude Law. Case in point, I didn't go watch Fantastic Beasts 3. Mm -hmm. But, ah! <laughs> you want a new Haunted Mansion? I don't even remember the last time I watched the original Haunted Mansion. Well, March 10th, 2023, we're getting it in theaters. Is this another live-action thing? Yes. Man, they really are going hard into the live-action thing this year, it seems like. And Jamie Lee Curtis is Madame Leota. Is she now? Yes. Okay. What is it with these movies attaching people who I can't stand to not go see? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that Disney, I mean, evidently, if Lion, if photorealistic CGI Lion King makes a billion dollars, and it's like, Disney's like, alright, cool, we can keep making these, people will go and see them. But it really does feel like, just based on this alone, they are going hard on this whole, like, live-action thing. Yeah. Case in point, we got the teaser for Little Mermaid. This trailer, the trailer was really dark. Like, that's actually was the- it? I felt like the lighting in the trailer was, like, kind of dark. I thought it was alright, personally. Yeah. I mean, it's just a teaser. Although I will say I do appreciate with this teaser that we actually got to see Halle Bailey as Ariel, just up front. Because I feel like for the last few, like, of these, like, initial teasers, they've been always, like, hiding the main character. It's like, yes, thank you. Let's actually see what the main focus of the movie looks like. <laughs> Yeah, as much as I 
don't care for live-action remakes, I'm looking forward to going to see this one, because... The reasons why everybody's jumping on this one are reasons that I think are stupid. Of course. So, uh... Yeah. I mean... She's a mermaid, who cares? <laughs> she can sing. That's the important part. My thing with this is that I don't have any particular like dislike for this movie, but I'm not super into it, and that's solely because, as a kid, I really was not into the original Little Mermaid that much. Ah. So, this one's, unfortunately, unfortunately because of what it is, this one's a, a hard sell for me. Not anything to do with, like, you know, how it's being made or another live-action movie. Well, let me tell you, if there's no Le Poisson in it, instant fail. Uh, that much I can definitely agree to. <laughs> yeah. Like and then they also showed us a, well, not us, but the people at D23, mm -hmm. a little glimpse of Snow White, which is coming out in theaters in 2024. I was just seeing, I forget who their cat, oh, that's right, Gal Gadot is, um... The Evil Queen. Yes. Honestly, when they, she was being linked to it, I was like, are they seriously going to cast Gal Gadot as Snow White? <laughs> that's that's what I was expecting. It's like, you know what? No. I do feel like Evil Queen fits her better, and I feel like she would definitely have a lot more fun there. That would have been a thing. Mm -hmm. So, that covers most of the stuff that was brought up at that panel. Mm-hmm. Should I should I start with the Lucasfilm stuff? I mean... Because that was the first part of the panel. I feel like I should. Well, I mean, I will say, just of the trailers I've seen, I don't know if there's any other news like that's come out. Of the three things that were shown trailer-wise, being Andor, Tales of the Jedi, and The Mandalorian, definitely the one that had my attention the most was Tales of the Jedi. Only because we're... From what I can tell, and hopefully this is what's happening, we're finally getting a look at Dooku's turn to the dark side, which is something that I am surprised really hasn't been talked about very much in Star Wars lore. So that I was like, okay, have my complete attention just based on that alone. Ahsoka, I love you, but you're getting your own live action show, so, I, so I'm going to put you off to the side right now. <laughs> yeah. It's especially exciting for Dooku because his Padawan is Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes, yes it is. So, looking forward to seeing how that dynamic develops. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that's one where it's... And I'm glad that the people who make the Bad Batch and Clone Wars are still getting work. Because those both... I mean, I've only seen bits and pieces of the Bad Batch, but the Clone Wars was a total good time. So for them to like still have a new project, especially for something focusing on that, I am very happy to see. Yeah, this is definitely a good trailer. Like you all agree, I'm much more interested in Dooku's story mm -hmm. and seeing how that unfolds. And I guess we'll see when it premieres on October 26th. Mm -hmm. And Wait. speaking of Bad Batch, that's coming out January 4th, 2023. Oh, another season of it? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I guess I need to watch the first season <laughs> in full. Well, in full, at least. Like I said, I've only seen Bro, I still haven't watched all of Clone Wars. The last season, and especially the last couple of episodes of the Clone Wars, are just chef's kiss. <laughs> huh. It's a good time. We got a final Andor trailer. Oh, oh, so this was the final trailer for it. I should think, considering it debuts September 23rd. Or is it the 21st? Either I, way. I don't know how... 
I don't know why I gloss over the last bits of trailers when they announce when something's coming out. Because holy crap, I thought it was still a ways away. That's like 10, like 11 days from now. Yeah. That, that is, oh, or 11 days from this recording. I am still interested in it because I think I mentioned before, all like the Jedi stuff, Force stuff in Star Wars, as cool as that is, that very much takes a backseat to anything revolving around the actual world of Star Wars for me personally. Mm. So I am definitely curious about this. I'll agree to that, mostly because, you know what, I'm actually a little bit excited for this show now. Oh yeah. Yeah, if it's if it's actually showing the origin of the Rebellion, I, then I am like, yes, yeah, please, actually, like, just more stuff about kind of the more, anything that shows more of, the, like, the nuanced side of things, I am, or, like, the nuanced details of Star Wars, I am all for. Yeah. And rounding out trailers for Star Wars, we got Mando Season 3, which looks fine. Yeah, it does look fine, it's... Honestly, it's the least exciting trailer out of all three of them. <laughs> I really hope we don't have to deal with too much of Bo-Katan being salty. Bo We're gonna. I, yeah, because, like, salty is just, like, a default state for Bo-Katan. So, like, just just punch him or something, for crying out loud. <laughs> just... It clearly... It doesn't have to be a fight to the death, obviously... Because Din took it off fucking Moth Gideon without killing him. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a thing of like, it's like fight. It's like, alright, how you want to do this? Back! Alright, I, I lose. <laughs> yeah, just punch him. Yeah, just punch Pedro Pascal in the face. <laughs> he doesn't even want the damn saber. No. And he took his helmet off anyway, so no one loves him anymore, except for <laughs> <laughs> That Andrew's was. He was like, that's okay, Diane. That. That actually, that part of the trailer, like, I know they established in season two that he's basically belongs to a cult that, like, no one pays attention to anymore. But, but that part of it, it was just like, dude, like, bruh, he just went through hell. Like, give him some slack. <laughs> um, definitely curious to, to see how Grogu and um, the Mandalorian are reunited, considering he was taken by Luke. Um, Wait, did you? Oh, you didn't watch Boba Fett. No, I still haven't watched Boba Fett. Yeah, watch Boba Fett. It's Mando season two and a half. That's what I've heard, so I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, just just watch. I don't remember exactly what episodes they were. I'll get to the episodes. Just watch those. Okay. <laughs> they explain it. Fair enough. Which, who? what a waste of a season two finale that was then. <laughs> How dare you punch me in the fucking feels like that, only to walk it back. Yeah. Bro, I still like every now and again rewatch the last bit of season two of Mandalorian. That is one of the few things where I, where I am genuinely upset that I can only experience that for the first time once in my life. <laughs> it was good. Mm -hmm. It was very good. We also got confirmation that Skeleton Crew is set post Return of the Jedi. Okay. That's the one that's about a group of kids stranded on the outskirts of the galaxy. Oh. Okay. Also with Jude Law. So, Home Alone Star Wars edition. Kind of. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then also at the Lucasfilm panel, they showed a new trailer for Willow, which I didn't add to the list because I haven't seen any of Willow, and there was enough trailers on the list. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, this was a very, again, with Disney stealing the show, this was a very, like, trailer-heavy weekend as well. Yeah. And they also showed some exclusive footage of Indiana Jones 5, which we did not see. Mm. But apparently it got a huge standing ovation, which doesn't mean much at Comic-Cons or any such things, because, well, you know, it's a bunch of nerds who are there because they want to be there anyway. Yeah, it's it's hard to get a, like, a true read for something, because all the people there are people who are just like the diehard fans to begin with. Car chases, though. Really? Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> and it is from James Mangold, and if as much as I have problems with Logan, I still acknowledge that Logan is a very well-made film. Mm-hmm. So, if there's anybody I trust to do old curmudgeonly version of a hero, <laughs> it's James Mangold. Yeah. That, that definitely sounds like a good route for some entertaining shenanigans. So, let's move into the stuff that I'm actually qualified to have an opinion on. <laughs> the Marvel stuff. Yeah, the Marvel stuff. They talked a little bit about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which also included some footage that we don't get to see because we weren't at D23. <sighs> and apparently it involves Ramonda talking with some members of the United Nations about how the world keeps trying to steal their vibranium and stuff now. Yeah, which, is, which to be honest, yeah, by all means, call them out. It's like, bruh, I, we're just trying to live our lives and people keep on coming and trying to steal our shit. <laughs> Yeah, none of that, please. <laughs> yeah, it's like, can you, can you like, please, like, either calm the fuck down or do something about it? Leading into that, since Ryan Coogler is executive producing Ironheart, he talked a little bit about it. They brought out Anthony Ramos, who is playing Parker Robbins, a.k.a. The Hood. Mm-hmm. And they're talking up Ironheart as being magic versus technology, which, that's interesting. Yeah. We definitely haven't seen that before, really. Yeah, now that I think about it, there really hasn't been a lot of that in Marvel, which I'm kind of surprised by. I think it's just because a lot of these heroes are speciated, so mm. you you expect to see Doctor Strange deal with magic stuff, you expect to see Iron Man deal with tech super science stuff, so you're not generally going to see them cross over. Mm -hmm. But I'm all for seeing how these things interact. Yeah. They did try to talk the hood up as being one of those villains who is trying to do the right thing and is maybe just a bit too ruthless about it, which I'm not especially a fan of because, to my understanding of the hood, he's an asshole. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know a lot about the hood, but from what little I've picked up, it's like, no, he doesn't ever try to do the right thing. He's just straight up evil. <laughs> he was part of Norman Osborn's evil Illuminati. Oh, f yeah, that it doesn't really get more evil than that. <laughs> well, I guess to be fair, Loki and Emma Frost were both on that. Mm. And so was Namor. Mm. That's not really helping the case. No, it's not. <laughs> Point is, the Hood's a dick. Yeah, the Hood's, the Hood's not a good person. Not every supervillain needs to be sympathetic. Some no. of them can just be a dick. Yeah, it's okay... I imagine it's a thing they have to make them at least a little sympathetic so that their dickishness doesn't completely, like, tune out an audience, but... No, all you gotta do then is make them entertaining. Yeah. Like, 
if your if your bad guy is funny enough and charming enough, nobody gives a shit how much of a bastard he is. <laughs> that is true. But I'm still looking forward to this as much as I can be looking forward to it, considering I don't much care about the character. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I didn't care about the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the movie came out. So <laughs> anything's possible. Exactly. Feige then reiterated that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is going to be the start of Phase 5, and brought out Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, and Jonathan Majors, Mm -hmm. asking Paul Rudd what it's like to be Sexiest Man Alive by, uh, what was that, People Magazine or Time Magazine? A Magazine. (laughs) I mean, whatever his, like, de-aging regimen is, I I would like to have access to that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Mm. They showed an extended version of the trailer that we got for Comic-Con, by which I mean people who were at the event got. Mm. We still saw none of it. (laughs) But apparently it does involve a lot of Scott being tortured by Kang, a lot of Scott being an arrogant dickhole. So on brand. Scott's not usually an arrogant dickhole. Uh, well, he's a, he's a smartass at the very least, so... Yeah, I think this one's more a case of he's let the fame of being an Avenger and having helped save the universe go to his head, which, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those things, it's like, is that, like, an endearing quality? No, but to be honest, can you blame him? <laughs> it seems very justifiable to me. Yeah, it's like, yeah, if I just help save the freaking universe from annihilation, I'm I'm gonna kind of, like... Stroke my ego about it a little bit. Just a little right. bit. <laughs> and apparently this is going to provide a direct link to Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Surprising mm. nobody, because Kang. <laughs> right. Alright, we're going to talk about my favorite thing from D23. Oh boy. Werewolf by Night, baby! Woo! Okay. Ah! What is this? And please tell me this is rated R. I don't think it is. That's unfortunate, because, like, as I was watching the trailer for it, I am like, this could be really good, and as much as I hate to say it, I thought this could be, like, a really fucked up in an entertaining way, but it's also Marvel, and so I don't think they're really going to go, like, super hard into that kind of stuff, but what is this? This is the Halloween special being directed by Michael Giacchino. Oh, this is the Halloween special that we talked about for the last couple years. Yes! Okay. This is it! And it's, ah! This is, this is the most me thing I could ever hope for from Marvel! Is there, is this something based on anything in the comics? Werewolf by Night! Oh, Werewolf by Knife is just a thing in the comics. Yeah, Werewolf by Night. Okay. <laughs> He's where Moon Knight first debuted. Oh! I don't expect Moon Knight to show up. It's no, possible, but I doubt it. Yeah. And honestly, the main thing I'm excited about isn't even Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. It's that we got Man-Thing in the trailer. <laughs> I did not expect! And yet, here we are! Oh, I'm so excited! And it's... Ah, and it's so... Schmaltzy B-movie evocative. It really was. That was my first thought, like, again, watching the trailer. I was like, this is like some 50s B-movie, horror movie stuff going on. And I definitely enjoy the aesthetic, but I, it's also still a thing. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this. I did watch it and think, it's like, this is probably the thing that Cody's the most excited for. It is. 
I think what it's gonna be is probably all those monster hunters are actually bad guys. Hmm. And the werewolf is the hero. Yeah. Played by Gail Garcia Burnell. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely track. By the way, I'm pretty sure I've said this on the podcast before, but just in case I haven't, uh, the original werewolf by night's name, Jack Russell. I don't think you've said it on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure I remember you bringing it up in conversation, which prompted a, are you fucking kidding me reaction. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We know Laura Donnelly is also starring in the project, but we don't know as who. It's being bandied about that she might be Elsa Bloodstone, but I don't mm. know. Kind of hard to tell with this. It depends on what they want to do with these characters. Mm -hmm. But, ah! Everything about this was just ugh, so good! <laughs> and atmospheric. Huh! <laughs> I'm glad that you're excited. <laughs> Anyways, it drops October 7th, so... That's gonna be exciting. Now, are we watching that right away, or do, are we going to attempt to save that for Halloween? I'm watching that right away. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Y'all can watch it whenever the fuck you want. <laughs> Anyways, then they brought out Don Cheadle. Oh, boy. Yeah. And first, they dropped the trailer for Secret Invasion. So I'm actually a little upset this isn't a movie. I don't... I'm not. But go on. I don't know if it was already established beforehand that this was going to be a series, and I just missed it, but it was a thing like- You did. Okay, cool. Then I at least partially rescind my my um, disappointment then in that regard. Because it's just cool to have something that is focused solely on Nick Fury. And uh, the scrolls. And the scrolls. Although I'm curious to see like the dynamic of that, considering that it's been established already that there are good scrolls who just want to, you know, live their lives. So that aspect I'm most curious about. And also, the whole thing of, like, wait, why is Nick Fury, like, doing everything he can to stay away from the Earth? Like, I know things have, both in our Earth and Marvel Earth, have gone to shit, but <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah, I like the vibe for this one a lot. It feels very Winter Soldier-y. It does. It feels very... There was something else that this reminded me of, and I can't be bothered. I cannot remember it to save my life, but... It was another thing that I enjoyed for kind of like the lone wolf aspect of it all. John um, Wick? Yes, actually. Thank you. I, wow. <laughs> I can't believe I got that. Yeah, it was kind of a thing of like, I do enjoy how in all of this, it's like, especially with the whole thing of like him being away from the earth. It's like kind of similar to John Wick just trying to stay away from the assassination game. Yep. Uh, um... Yeah. That one part where Talos grabs Kingsley Benadir's character and then the whole room turns into him. <laughs> yeah, that was that was freaky. <laughs> that was like, oh no. Yeah, in the whole thing of how well do you know my your security team? My security team? It's like, oh no, please don't. What do don't. you mean how well do I know him? It's like, oh please don't do this to Don Shooto, man, please. <laughs> Rody's probably a scroll. Ah shit. Oh, God. Oh, then the implications there are astounding. I don't know how long he's been a scroll for, but he's probably a scroll. Hmm. You don't even have to replicate superpowers for him. No, no, you don't, actually. I could see yeah. it. I could see it being a thing if he gets busted based on, like, maybe the scroll, like, miss that his leg is still messed up. Hmm. Or maybe the scroll is the one who got their leg messed up. Oh, that's terrifying. 
Mm. Yeah, who knows how long he's been a scroll for? Maybe he could have. Hmm. Oh, don't I don't get me wrong. It's probably not going to be the case. No, because... but it is possible. I'm thinking in my head as I acknowledge how stupid this sounds, but I could see it being a thing that the scrolls showed up when Civil War happened, and then the bit where Rhodey hits the ground is like, no, he actually just straight died there. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, because that would nah. also be an ass pull and a half, but this is kind of like what happens when you introduce things like that to my brain. <laughs> yep, that's the whole point. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. We also finally got an Armor Wars update. Okay. It starts filming next year, and it will pick up pretty much right after the events of Secret Invasion. Okay. So that's very cool. It's about time Rhodey got some more time in the spotlight, so I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't... He's always been kind of relegated to a side character. A very overpowered side character, but a side character. Very true. We got a slight update on Loki Season 2, which is still filming. Mm hmm Well, we got a slight update. Everybody who was there got new footage. Uh, which... I... <laughs> Which apparently included Loki phasing in and out of time and trying to get Hunter B-15 and Mobius to remember him. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And the little bit of an update that we got is that Kihui Kwan, also known as Short Round from that one Indiana Jones movie that I don't remember which one it was, mm -hmm. has joined the cast. Oh, neat. Yeah, he was also in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was Michelle Yeoh's husband in that. Oh, okay. I think I remember seeing him like in the trailers and whatnot. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for that one. Mm. We got a tiny bit of news for Fantastic Four that isn't really news, and it's confirmation that Matt Shackman will in fact be directing. Okay. And then Kevin Feige said we don't have anything to share. Yeah. Which makes sense, and honestly... Makes me really glad that I didn't say anything about that list of alleged casting that was making the rounds on Twitter. Well, yeah, especially since that movie is still very, very early in its development, right? Uh, it comes out November 2024, so... Hmm. Not that far. True. They also gave everybody a first look at Echo, which includes Vincent D'Onofrio sporting an eye patch. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's alive! We all knew it, but he's alive! Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, they killed the game. It's like, this is, uh, no, they fucking didn't. <laughs> this, is, this is a fucking kingpin. What the fuck are y'all talking about? <laughs> yeah, he ain't dead. Mm. And then he stayed on stage so that Charlie Cox could come out and they talked a little bit about Daredevil Born Again. Oh, nice. Yeah, it hasn't started shooting yet, so there was nothing to show. Mm. But they're looking forward to it very much. Charlie Cox said to think of it not as season four, but as a new season one. So that implies kind of a soft reboot. Yeah, and it kind of establishes, it's like, yeah, no, there's nothing canon about these shows no more. I think there might be. I think they're trying to feel it out and figure out if they can make it work. Mm. Depends on what happens with Iron Fist. Mm, true. We also got director Julius Anoff from Cap of Captain America New World Order, mm -hmm. along with Anthony Mackie coming out on stage along with Carl Lumbly and Danny Ramirez, to talk about Captain America. Awesome. Yeah. It does sound like Danny Ramirez will be suiting up as the new Falcon, so that's cool. Okay. 
And then in super big news, Tim Blake Nelson is reprising his role as Dr. Samuel Stearns from The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> really? Yeah, the leader is here. The movie that, for like the longest time, Marvel seems to have pretended doesn't exist. Crazy, right? Yeah. God, when's the last time we heard anything about the original Hulk movie? Well, Abomination's back. Ah, uh, true. Well, b before Abomination and all that. Ross? Okay, never mind. Point being... <laughs> but I'll agree, I did not expect the leader to ever come back. Yeah, no. That's cool. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that... Because he, he was the same gentleman who played him in um, in the first Hulk movie, right? Cause it, yeah. Cool. Good. I'm glad that he's coming back, and more so, I'm glad that they kept the same actor. Same. We also got confirmation, although she wasn't there, that actress Shira Haas will be portraying the Israeli superhero Sabra in the movie. Oh, that one I'm not familiar with. I'm not super familiar either, but apparently she's a mutant. Oh boy. Yeah. She's fought the Hulk before. You said fought the Hulk, right? Yes, fought okay. the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> and she has enhanced physical abilities and can actually charge up other people and give them low-level superpowers. Alright, cool. God, I hate my ears. Um... <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. I think oh. she's a mutant. There has to be a trade-off with a power like that, though. Apparently it uses life energy. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's kind of seems like the, the standard trade-off or something like that, but... It's one of those things where, like, no, there has to be a trade-off, because that just sounds overpowered as hell for, to begin with. True. Okay. And then they moved on to the Thunderbolts, and we now have our roster. Okay. It's... Whelming. Oh, really? Yeah, so Julia Louis-Dreyfus is back as Contessa Allegra Valentina... Wow! Contessa Valentina Allegra <laughs> de Fontaine. That's the one. Okay. Hannah John Kamen is back as Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. David Harbour as Red Guardian. <laughs> okay. Olga Kurienko is back as Taskmaster. Uh, hmm. Wyatt Russell is back as U.S. Agent. Okay. Yelena Belova. Yeah. Played by Florence Pugh. There's no such thing as, like, too much of her. Nope, of course not. And Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes. Really? Yep. I was not expecting him, I'll admit. No, I would not have expected him either. But, honestly, yeah, I, I'm i not super fond of this team lineup. I feel like this team lineup is... This is a lineup of people that it seems like their first thing, the only thing of significance they'll do is just have internal conflict with each other all the time. Well, it's not just that. It's There's three super soldiers, two spies, technically two widows. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not a huge fan of this Taskmaster anyway, so... Mm. Right. But... I guess if you look at it as kind of a pseudo-Falcon Winter Soldier and Black Widow sequel, mm -hmm. then it makes sense. Mm, that's fair. 
I mean, I like most of these characters, so I'm not yeah. going to complain about seeing them. I just feel like the team could use a little more variety. I'm really surprised Abomination isn't there. I'm kind of surprised we didn't get any kind of tech-based villain. Yeah, this is kind of a weird thing for me, where as individual, I'd be more excited about these characters individually than together on a team. Yeah, that makes sense. And admittedly, part of it's probably my own fault because I got it into my head that they were building up to some kind of darker counterpart of the Avengers with a counterpart for each of the original six, mm. which was probably a little silly and on the nose and unrealistic, so I acknowledge that. I'm still not super enthused about this. Mm, true. I don't but know. we'll see. There might be more members yet to come. Mm. And hey, more Yelena. Yeah, Always more... a positive. Always a positive there. And more Red Guardian, you know? <laughs> yeah. So then they finished up with the Marvels. Okay. They dropped the trailer, which we didn't get. Oh, okay. But apparently, one of the main, uh, I don't want to say gimmicks, but one of the main aspects of this movie is that somehow Monica, Kamala, and Carol's powers have all become entangled, and whenever they use their powers, they start trading places with each other. That sounds like a recipe for hijinks. Yeah. Hmm. So that sounds exciting. Yeah. And then closing out the combined panel, the one thing we got from 20th Century Studios was Avatar The Way of Water. Mm -hmm. We didn't really get much of anything of it, except for... Sam Worthington, Zoe Zaldana, Sigourney Weaver, and Stephen Lang taking the stage. And through a video, because he's shooting in New Zealand right now, James Cameron confirmed that they're already in production on Avatar 3, and production has just started on Avatar 4. The second one still hasn't come out yet, right? Right? <laughs> I'm a little fucking myth. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, we haven't even gotten the second movie. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> little bit. Mm. So all in all, uh, at least for, I can really only speak from a Marvel perspective, but San Diego Comic-Con was definitely bigger. Oh, yeah. But it is what it is. If nothing else, the Werewolf by Night confirmation, huge. I love it. Can't wait. Give me it now. <laughs> right into my veins. <laughs> I still Just inject it. <laughs> well, we still need you alive to watch it. Shit, you right. <laughs> I mean, definitely the thing that got my, the most interest of all the things that were released is definitely more of the Star Wars stuff. In particular, like I said, the Tales of the Jedi. That one was good. Yeah, that one looks like a good time. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that, even if it is just a series of shorts. Yep. So there's a couple of trailers independent of D23. Mm -hmm. We got a new Black Adam trailer. I did not feel any discernible difference between this trailer and the, and the previous two. I'm not a fan of the fact that the Justice Society is apparently working for Amanda Waller. Yeah, that bugged the crap out of me. It's like, Justice Society, Amanda Waller. is like, no, these, these things do not go together. <laughs> Also, what was that fucking clink noise when he grabbed the bullet? That was a thing. What was that dead-ass cartoon <laughs> sound effect? 
<laughs> I I saw that and heard that as like, and Cody's pissed. <laughs> I had to re- You know me so well. I had to rewind and make sure I hadn't imagined it. <laughs> That, that actually, was just that, baffling. That did actually bother me, too, because it's like, it was very jarring of an already kind of, like, oh shit moment. And it's like, ting! It's like, wait, really? Like, Why right did now? it make a ting noise? Is he made of metal? Yeah, it's like, wait, right now, of all times? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Anyways, I'm still probably gonna go see it. <laughs> probably, yeah. If only because that way I don't have to watch Ticket to Paradise. Mm-hmm. And we also got a trailer for Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. I I am definitely going to go see this no matter what, because it's it's Knives Out, and the first Knives Out is a wonderful, wonderful movie. This didn't do a lot for me, though, to be completely honest. There's just something about it where it's like I just couldn't really get into the trailer. I'm going to go see the movie regardless. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it drops on Netflix, so you don't have to go anywhere. Oh, cool. Well, I'm going to watch it on Netflix regardless. <laughs> yeah, same. I will say, very happy that Daniel Craig is still doing the Southern voice. I can't see them him not doing the Southern voice. Well, I think Ryan Johnson brought up the idea previously of Benoit Blanc having a different accent in every movie. <laughs> Which uh, would have been funny. Yeah, that would have been funny. I, I definitely can see that being a good time. I, it would just have to be an equivalently, like, over-the-top, exaggerated, like, drawl of wherever he is. <laughs> and I would maintain that, if, especially if he's doing it in, like, different parts of the world in different languages, in whatever language it is, he has to say in the native language of the location, what's the cheese? Uh, <laughs> like, like, whatever the French or Spanish or German or, like, Mandarin version of what the cheese is, that has to be said. That is a mandate. <laughs> Very true. 100%. (laughs) I think this is shaping up to be a murder mystery game that turns into an actual murder mystery. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's definitely the vibe I got from this. This one escape room, a knives out mystery. Yeah, this one definitely got gave me more like clue vibes than the previous movie did. Yeah, that's fair. Because we're probably going to get everybody else trying to get involved in solving it for whatever reason. Yeah. And just like the last one, what a cast. Yeah, unfortunately a lot of the names here are just names that I'm not very familiar with, but it seems to be doing the the previous thing of having a very large and varied ensemble cast, which, you know, that was a that was like one of the best parts of the of the first movie. So I I would hope that at the very least you would recognize Ed Norton, Dave Bautista, and Catherine Hahn. Yes, those three I did. Okay, very good. Everyone else is just kinda like I'm excited to see you in here, but I know nothing about you. (laughs) Fair enough. So that was an abbreviated trailer time, following Mm. a very lengthy news section. Yes, indeedy. I'm going to cover this weekend's box office real quick. Nice job. Thank you. (laughs) Another slow weekend this weekend. Mm. First place, top of the box office domestically, we had Barbarian. Okay. It took in $10.5 million domestically this weekend for a $10.9 million worldwide total. Mm. Second place, Brahmastra Part 1, Shiva, which took in $4.5 million domestic for a $22.9 million worldwide total. Okay. Third place is Bullet Train 
at 3.3 million domestic for a 92.6 million domestic total and 211.9 million worldwide. In fourth place, the unstoppable, undefeatable, always sticking around Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> it just won't stop, will it? <laughs> yeah, you start coming and they don't stop coming. Just putting my face on top of I don't know who the guy is in Breaking Bad who just goes, you can't keep getting away with this. Oh, that's Pinkman. Pinkman, thank you. Yeah. It made 3.1 domestic this weekend for a 705.6 million domestic total and $1.45 billion worldwide. And in fifth place, surpassing all my expectations, The Invitation, at 2.6 domestic for an 18.8 million domestic total and $25.1 million worldwide. It really is interesting to me. I think we've talked about this before, just kind of an apropos real quick. Like, the way the numbers game of movies works, and how, like... 18.5 18.5 million I would not know what to do with 18 million dollars and that's considered piss poor for a movie. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the movie. Mm, fair. I bet you Fall would love to have made 18 million. <sighs> well even You know what? How do I know it didn't? Let me double check real quick. I mean even still if Fall made more than like 3 million dollars it's like yeah, the Fall has has more money than what I would know to do with it. I can't imagine Fall has made more than, like, 5 million at best, but let me double check. Right. 10 million? Really? Wow! I just looked it up as well. Apparently its budget is 3 million. Oh, good for that, I guess. Yeah, so they've made made a, a decent profit, so good for them. Well, anyways, we've talked about Fall before, but you know what we haven't talked about? Barbarian. Barbarian. I like this a lot. I've been seeing that this movie has been getting a lot of good reviews. I I never got a, I never was able to see it over the weekend, but I definitely saw that people. It seemed people are pretty happy with it. It's probably for the best you didn't see it because it is also profoundly uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, fun! The best kind of uncomfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie. Okay. Which I'm pretty sure has been brought up before, and functionally, mm-hmm. it's about. A young lady who finds that her Airbnb has been double booked. And then weird stuff happens. Oh boy. And I really can't get into much more of what happens without giving some stuff away. So are, are we just So gonna... I'm gonna talk in really vague terms. Oh, I was gonna say, are we just going straight into the spoiler section then? <laughs> no. I'm okay. gonna do my best to say why you should see this movie without giving away anything in this movie. Okay. This is a real sinking feeling in the gut kind of film. Mm. (laughs) You remember how I said one of my favorite things about Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul? Mm. Or at least the thing that I really liked about it was the peeling back of layers? Oh, does this movie do that as well? This movie does that a lot. Every time you think that you've kind of tapped the inner well of fucked up etude, (laughs) there's another door Mm. and you open that door get it on the floor and everybody walks the dinosaur it's like the the well of fucked up it's like okay I've gotten all the water out of it now then you put the bucket back in and it more comes I was like god damn it (laughs) yeah well watching this movie at first I was like okay this is a tad unsettling Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like much is happening and then it starts really ramping up and I'm like oh Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then I check. It's 40 minutes in. 
<laughs> and then the movie takes a turn. Oh boy. And it tacks on for a bit in a completely different direction. Only ah. to then proceed to catch up with where it was before. Hmm. And that's 25 minutes later. And then it takes another turn. <laughs> so the movie just takes you for a ride the whole time. Yes, it was awful in the best possible way. <laughs> By which I mean I was genuinely entertained and I genuinely thought it was great, but boy howdy, I don't like having my emotions played with like that. So what I'm hearing is that this is not a good movie for someone who like actually has severe anxiety issues. No. <laughs> no, especially not. Mm. At least I don't think so. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like a thing where you're just like worried all the time. It's also, especially once you, I'd say it, it keeps getting worse because just when you think you figured it out, no, there's another <laughs> twist. <laughs> like on a scale of one to get out, how like how crazy are we talking about the twist <laughs> or the twist and turns? You know what? I'd say about maybe it's been about it's been a while since I've seen Get Out, and I've only seen Get Out once, unlike Us. So it's kind of hard to remember exactly how it went. But you know what? I'm gonna say about on par. Okay, because I do remember like when we watched uh, um, Get Out, it was a thing of like I thought I called it, and it's like no, it's so much worse. You think it's like how the hell could it be worse? They get to the twist. Okay, it's actually worse. <laughs> oh no, this is much worse. <laughs> Oh, it's worse than that. <laughs> oh no, that I was just articulating the the sentiment. Just oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I've got this. Oh no, <laughs> this is much worse. That's how I felt. Okay, cool. That is indeed how I felt. Alrighty. It's also got a pretty resonant message, I think, and I'm not going to say what it is because it kind of gives the game away a little bit. Mm -hmm. And also, really good at blending humor into some of its tenser moments. Without giving anything away, when things start to pick up, mm -hmm. there's a point where on discovering something that is obviously sketchy and dangerous looking, the main character just goes, nope, and proceeds to start walking away. <laughs> it's very well done. Very mm. well timed. Everybody's really good in it. So, I think, yes, 100%, definitely worth watching if you're into horror movies and you don't mind being skeeved right the fuck out. <laughs> so for those of you who are just tuning in upon review and reflection I realize that the descriptions of what goes on in this movie are kind of graphic and hard to get around and honestly like it's really just better if I don't so at your own discretion I will just say go see it but it is an R-rated movie, and it's R-rated for a reason. It has, from what I've seen, it has earned, earned yes. its R-rating. Like, the movie, for for all that's been shown and talked about, is quality, but it has earned its R-rating like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So with that being said, thanks for listening in on this absolutely chaotic D23 podcast, and I'm sorry because the timestamps are probably going to be minimal. Yes. But, in any case, thank you so much for sticking around. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us if you haven't, but I'm sure you have because you're awesome. 
Greg, you've followed, right? I have followed. And all of our audience members continue to be awesome, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And this has been Greg as well. Very good. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>